faith quietly I say to them Get out of the way Get out of the way Psalms 31, in you, O Lord, I have taken shelter. Never let me be humiliated. Vindicate me by rescuing me. Listen to me, quickly deliver me. I hate those who trust and serve worthless idols. I place all my trust in you. And I'll be happy and rejoice in your faithfulness because you notice. You notice my pain. You know what I'm going through. And you know the distress that I've had to deal with. I know, Lord, that you will not deliver me over to the power of my enemy. But you are bringing me into a wide open place. Have mercy for me, even when I'm in distress. When my eyes grow dim from going through suffering and I have lost my strength, my life feels like it's coming to the end and it feels painful. And my years draw close as I am groaning. And even my strength is failing me because of my sin and my bones have become brittle. Because of all of my enemies, people disdain me. My neighbors are appalled at the things that I'm going through my suffering. Those who know me have been horrified at my condition. Those who see me in the street, they're running away from me. I feel forgotten like a dead man no one thinks about. I felt as though I'm worthless like a broken jar. I hear what other people are saying, the terrifying news that comes from every direction. My enemies plotted together against me, they're figuring out how they can take my life. Bud, and let your heart do this this afternoon, bud. In the middle of all that, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, but I trust you, Lord. Maybe telling, no matter what you're going through, I trust you, telling. You're the faithful one. Yes, I trust you, Lord. Place all my confidence in you. Yeah, you're taking heat all around from every direction. Yes, you are. I declare, David says, I declare. My heart's moving to a place of trust, but I'm gonna make a declaration. It's gonna have to come out of me. I declare, you're my God. You're the determiner of my destiny. Rescue me. 
Rescue me from the power of my enemy and those who are chasing me down. Smile. Smile down on me, Lord. Smile on me. Deliver me because, not because of my faithfulness, but because of yours. Deliver me on your own faithful account. Not because I showed up and did everything right. I rejoice in your faithfulness, Lord. I rejoice in your faithfulness.
I had to bring it up a little. But I, I trust, I trust in you, Lord, and I declare, you are my God. You determine my destiny. That even in, I think in, even in the midst of like whatever we're going through, and you know, as the Lord is bringing this word out, out of Psalms 31 uh, today, um, that the Lord has a determination in relation to what he um, has for you. He's the one who's figured it out and knows what he's laying out for the path for your life. But I, I believe this is a confession that the Holy Spirit is leading us into is uh, especially when you're taking heat and things are going on all around you is like, I think some people are, I can say maybe trying to jump off path, let's say, um, like cho choose an alternative route. This confession is so important, especially when you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to maintain that. Um, I'm going to transition over to that you are the faithful one. This isn't based in my own faith. This is based in your faithfulness. And I'm also gonna change my mind here a little bit. We need to, maybe to make some of us not, the Holy Spirit speaking this, to make a course correction maybe in our thinking that who is determining the destiny of your life so that when you're taking heat all around you, you're recognizing that he's sovereign over your life and that he has you so that in the story of Hezekiah, when Sennacherib is going on the uh, prowl and attacking them and building a siege all around them, and they're taking heat from every side, and Reb Shaka is coming over the top of the, the wall, telling the people of the Lord to defect away from the covenant of the Lord and getting them into defection. The, 
basis of the basis of this covenantal loyalty to the Lord is to say, I'm gonna stand my ground, not in my own reason, not in my own ability. I'm gonna stand my ground in your faithfulness, Lord. And number two, I'm gonna recognize that my destiny, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what kind of heat I'm taking, no matter how bad the threat is, no matter what's being said, you're the determiner of my destiny, meaning that I can rest in your sovereign goodness. I'm going to trust you. It's, it's upon that then that the proclamation comes forward, now rescue me. Uh, because I, there's no other out. There's no, you're not deviating. You're not coming off point. It's, you're just saying and recognizing again, if he's got you and it's his faithfulness and he's the determiner, I can trust you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is, wants this so much out of us that we would come to that point. And I've watched this time and time again. The rescue of the Lord. The rescue of the Lord. When there's no more like wavering, but I've placed all my trust in you. And I'm, someone's telling me, no, you should bail out on this position or your own heart saying, who am I or whatever I'm going through, but I'm holding the ground saying, no, no, my God said this to me. My Lord has said this to me and I don't care what the situation looks like around me. He's got me. And the rescue of the Lord just like he did for Hezekiah in that day and just like he's done for all the saints of the Lord. And, and apparently some of you are taking heat, uh, taking heat for things that you're standing for the Lord or the Lord wouldn't even be speaking this this morning. So I, I, you know, I can give you an opportunity like this, but if you say, yeah, I am taking heat and you want to come stand here and just like say, yeah, I'm taking heat, but I'm going to take my stand here and I'm going to worship the Lord, believing in the rescue of the Lord, that he's going to rescue this situation. I'm saying, I'm saying in my own heart this morning that this is determined on his faithfulness. So this isn't me trying to strum up some of my own faithfulness, which is based in my own ability or lack thereof, which the enemy will eat you alive on that, your enemy against your own righteousness will come and try to convince you based on your own righteousness that you don't measure up. Well, okay, tell him I don't measure up, but the one I do serve does. So I'm gonna transition my trust over to the faithfulness of Jesus and not my own. And when I make that transition, then I'm gonna say, you're my determiner. That means I'm placing myself in like a double trust here. Now you got me. You're living inside of me. This can go only one way. Rescue. It can only go one way. Victory. It can only go that way. It can only be that way. Rescue me from the power of my enemies. And the, and the ones who've been chasing me. <laughs> and you're doing this, I can feel your heart. I can feel you. And the Lord feels you and loves and delights in you. And it says here, and he does, 
And you'll feel this in your heart right now if you're not already. Smile down on me. It's like the joy of the Lord comes in. All because we trust you, Lord. No matter what, no matter what the outcome, first, my trust is in you and my determination knows that you got me. This is the victory of the saints. Paul, this is the victory. Oh. Oh, man. Oh. Yes. This is how Jesus knew the gladness of the Spirit and the gladness of the Lord and the Father's heart. No more sadness or madness, but just the gladness of the joy of the Lord in his soul. This gladness that you're experiencing is because of the freedom that the Lord brings when you put your whole trust in him and you faithfully bear witness to him that he has you. And this brings great delight to the Father, great delight to the Father, that you are covenantally loyal to him that you don't bow the knee to the enemy and bow the knee to your own desire, but you place your whole trust in him. Yes, and, and all around this room, all around this room choosing to say, yes, there you go. Yes, I trust you, Lord. Oh, tell him about his faithfulness. Tell him about his goodness. Tell him about how amazing he is. Speak back to him the wonders of who he is. And watch the transaction of the Lord in your life.
Psalms 116, 13. I will celebrate my deliverance. And call on the name of the Lord. This movement that you made this afternoon, this this movement has just been made. This movement in the spirit, one that we're going through, celebrate with the Lord your deliverance. Listen, what you're believing for, go ahead and throw a party for. <laughs> Listen, it, it works. It's it's been grief, there's been pain, there's been suffering, you've been going through some stuff. You have. It's been hard. It's not kid. You've been through some stuff. Celebrate your deliverance. Celebrate it. We call on the name of the Lord when we come like we do and we fulfill our vow in front of the people. When we, when we say when you stand here or you're, you're there and you, you're making this declaration, this vow before the Lord that he's loyal, his faithfulness, I place my full trust in him. Great delight from the Father comes before everybody that you, your vulnerability, your willingness to be exposed, your willingness to be brought and allow yourself to be seen. When you fulfill your vows to the Lord in front of everybody else, the Lord values, he values you. It says here in the text, it says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the godly ones. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the ones who have been delivered from death. It affirms in this text that the life-threatening experiences that you've been going through has got the Lord's attention. In the midst of what you're facing, in the midst of the trial that's heating up all around you, the preciousness of 
the rare object that the Lord has produced in you, the life that God has produced in you, the life of his own self made, created inside of you from what you've been into, precious is that in the eyes of the Lord. You've not wasted your time or your energy. As it talks about in Isaiah 49. You've not expended all your energy in vain. Everything that has come up to this point, everything has been under the direction and the hand of the Lord. It's not been for vain. It has not been a waste of your life. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints. The godly ones, the one who says, I'll go to the end of this. Precious is that to the Lord. This is what he speaks to me. He says, let tell them that this is precious to me. The trial, the humiliation, the objection, everything that's telling you it's not going to work out. Everything that even he's allowed, even in his own determination to bring. Everything that he's arranged and that you said yes to him that you didn't move off your position. Now the Lord, he delights in you. Psalmist says, I, I, yes, Lord, indeed. I mean, indeed, I'm your servant. You have saved me from death. And Stephen says something to me a couple months ago, maybe three or four months ago. He says, you know, something that's really solidified me is the Lord is my keeper. The Lord has held me. The Lord has protected us. And you, you see all the ways a human heart can go and what could happen, what could have happened. And look how he's taken care of you. Look how he's taken care of us. Look how he has kept us. I will present a thank offering to you. And he says again, I'll call on the name of the Lord. And David will say, I'll call on the name of the Lord whereby we shall be saved or whereby I will be saved. He says his name, Hashem. Hashem. I will call on his name. I will declare his name. I will say his name. I won't be some kind of separated self. I will declare the very name of the Lord because the very the name of the Lord is on my head. The name of the Lord is on my being. When I say his name, it means I'm in his name because I have not separated myself from the Lord. I have not went my own way. Save me from death in the sense that the Lord hasn't necessarily kept me from going through tough places. The Lord hasn't kept us from hardship and difficulty. But he, kept, he saved us from things that we couldn't have saved ourselves from. I'm going to thank him. And then he says again, he runs this uh, through again. I'll fulfill my vows in front of the people. He's not private in his uh, devotion. He may be private in one sense, but he's going to make sure that it is known in front of everyone else. I'm standing my ground and I'm not backing down.
this is precious to the Lord. In the courts of the Lord's temple, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord.
Amen. Okay. All right, this is definitely different. But the other night, I got about 3.30 in the morning or so when the Lord wakes me up and he said, um, you, uh, it wakes me up in the morning, he says, late in the night and is discussing with me about, you know, where we're headed. And, and just to, in short, give a little bit of a, a briefing about where we've been at in this ministry. And when we began Collider, after, really after nine um, church planning attempts or nine restarts, which was just really difficult because of the Lord, what he, what he wants and anything that he's going to plant, anything that he's going to do, he has to be in, he has to be in charge. And so, because he can't dwell in a temple that's made with man's hands, you know, and I'll try, I'll try to do this. You know what I'm saying? I just go like this. He can't dwell in a temple made with man's hands. And so what he has to do, (laughs) I was like, how am I going to do this Lord? (laughs) Watch the hamstring. (laughs) Maybe I'll come back here. Okay. Yes, yes, I mean, and he's omnidirectional. He's quaquiversal, which is the name of today's event. But he starts to mess with you. That nothing in this world kind of can, can compare. I, I, and I, you know, and this is subjective, but I've seen him. He's a very uh, good-looking guy. I mean, the glorified Jesus. I mean, I was like, everybody, anybody would follow you. I mean, you're just amazing just in your appearance. But of course, his the amaz- uh, the the nature of who he is and what he looks like and his nature shining through the cur- courage that he has and the and the strength and valor that's in his heart and the love that's pouring out of him and his determination to do what's right for the father i mean he's just an amazing man and um and so when daniel had had that experience uh, with him it says his his comeliness like goes from him and it says that he fell down as one who is dead you think uh, daniel was 84 years old or so, and, it, and just loses all of his strength. Because you know, anything that can be like maybe mankind has went for in the realm of strength and in the realm of a sense of beauty or worth or gaining our worth from outward appearance or the things uh, related to uh, strength, related to the things that we could do or all of our ability and things like that, that when the man Jesus, when he when he really begins to shine on us, the revelation of Jesus comes and came to Daniel, who's going to, is building out this apocalyptic literature in the end times. This is the um, nature of Daniel. Um, later on, you're going to see the very man who was with him, who laid his head on his chest, uh, John. The same thing is going to happen to John when John uh, receives the appearance of Jesus, uh, who he, he is that really what we do in, in so many ways, anything outside of seeing what our father's doing, you feel the futility of it. I mean, the utter futility and the nothingness of a life that's lived for self, that it has no real lasting legacy or fruit in it, and it's going no this many people in this room right now. 
It's amazing. Because you know what Daniel's friends, what they do? Do you know the story? It says all the prophetic guys who are on, in Daniel's sort of, let's say, colleagues of Daniel, they all run out of the room. When the Lord shows up, the prophetic voices of that day that are with Daniel, they run away. And when the Lord comes, why? Because anything that's built out of human ingenuity, anything that's built out of the strength of men, anything that is designed out of, of, of human charisma, light, what we can bring to the table in, in this work, in this end time work, will not be able to stand up to uh, the man, this glorious man, Jesus, in all of his worth. He's infinitely, infinitesimally greater and yet human. <laughs> Unbelievable in his nature, incomprehensible. And so I remember we were in the prayer meetings, you know, and I remember I feel so weak, so self-loathing, so emaciated from really saying yes to the Lord, not disobeying him, but obeying him. So broken from and almost stressed out to the max, stressed all the limits. And I remember the Lord showing me Daniel and, he's, and he was down on all fours. I experienced that Friday at our workout. Uh, I got in the fetal position on the floor after they did, uh, we did uh, squats. <laughs> they were doing, we were doing like nine, seven, five, 15, 12, nine of front squats where you have to throw the weight up, put it on and come down and burpees to match those numbers. And it was just brutal. After doing all the strength portion and I got down on the floor, I've never done this. And I'm like laying like this. I mean, except when I got off coffee, but I mean, I was just laying down in the floor, just like huddled up, like, like a little baby, just <laughs> it, it couldn't get off the floor and, um, after the tra that training. And Daniel was in a position like that. He was, I think it says that he was down on all fours. He's laid out flat. It's interesting. It, it says that Daniel begins to get up and I think he goes from down like that. And the Lord showed me, he said, there's going to be four positions and I want you to begin to stand back up. He's going to stand up and prepare because to go forward with Collider, um, which was September the 20th, 2020, uh, when we begin. As I think it was the same day that um, Hezekiah will open up the, uh, the doors on the temple to begin uh, something of the Lord. And so... And I remember it went through stages and it's just like, get up, okay, just a little bit. Uh, I've appeared to you. And, and so again, get up on his knees and then he begins to uh, stand up and then let's go forward. And I said, like, what, what do you do? How do you do this? How do you, he's, how, do you do, how do you do this kind of ministry? Because the Lord doesn't just want, he doesn't just put us in leadership because uh, he wants some kind of, and I know y'all know this, but he doesn't want some kind of idolatry going on with leaders. That's already been going on so much. That's not what he's doing. He's, he's saying, I said, well, what, what are you trying to say? He said, well, I want you guys to model what it's like when you're with me. I want you to just go into the, you know, how you learned how to pray. I want you to just do that. I, I just want you to do that in front of the people. I want you to show them that this is how you come into my presence. I want you to be that way that you are 
um, that you've learned where you're completely vacated, vulnerable. Sound systems don't work. Problems are going on all around. Uh, friends don't, people don't like you. You just got whatever, whatever, all this stuff, that right? And I want you to like, I want you to stand in the middle of all that where you just feel all shook up and nothing's working out and you've put everything you have into it and I want you to wait on me. And I want you to worship me in the middle of taking heat all around. I want you to just worship me. Do that in front of the people. Like, just do that. And um, don't know what to say. Don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the model of the way I actually want all of you to be. I mean, that's the way I wanted you to live life. That's eating from the tree of life instead of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I wanted you to be vulnerable and dependent. Instead of an independent self and trying to build out these boundaries all around ourselves, I just want complete vulnerability and dependence. Um, and so we began, um, ministry began. I found out at week 58. Now today is um, later on after 70 weeks, the Lord will end up calling these weeks X2Ms, which means exit to millennium. But up until that time, I remember it was like, it was week 58 aroused by the Lord, he's like, come and talk to me or whatever. And I'm speaking with the Lord and he's talking to me uh, out of the text and things. He's, you know, and basically in a short run, runs me back to Daniel 9 and shows me that he's, uh, he was bringing up people out of exile and that we were going to complete a 70 week exile because for him to take the people and for us to return, for there to be a return that we would have to come out of exile. Now, I'm, I'm probably going to say something today that I've never said publicly, so, <laughs> but I'm going to say it because the word's like, I want to show this. And I'm probably not going to name names today, but some of you know this. Some of you are very aware of this. But by week number 70, and the word's saying 70 weeks have been apportioned for this people. And in the, I think it was, 62 weeks and then seven weeks and the 69th week leading into the 70 week, the word... On the 71st week, that Sunday morning, the word wakes me up and he says, I'm going to start with the names that you know and then and we'll put this together. Now, you have to understand now, and for 12 years, I have waited on the Lord. I have waited on the Lord because he said this to me, and this is, here it is. I'm going to build a government uh, in this nation. And he said, and I will send, I'll send 12 guys from the 12 tribes of Israel. And I have waited over 12 years for that to happen. And at the 71st week, the Lord names all 12. There were only, at that point in Clyder, there were these 12 men and their wives. And the Lord names them and they matched the 12 tribes of Israel. And I, for over a decade, I waited on the word of the Lord to be fulfilled because he said, I will establish a government uh, in this nation and it will be according to my order on the Melchizedek order. Those men have not been named publicly, but many of them right now are in your midst and they identify with these tribes. And we've been together and we've held times together. And that began, that 71st week began something that the Lord would begin with something with us. And over the next 20 weeks, from week 71 to week number 90, 
in the most phenomenal way the Holy Spirit would outfit a temple. I, I have a, a file called Teva Struct. Teva means anything not made with man's hands. Struct is from the word structure that the Lord would design and build his own structure. And so in the Teva structure, there's this layout of from 71 to week 90 of the Lord building the feminine aspect of our ministry. He builds a womb. It's phenomenal. The letters, the names, the everything that he put together in all of those events leading through that. And so we found this structure of the Lord. The womb of God was developed in the soul. And then at week 90, Pete Lineker gets up. He reads the dedication of the temple. I'm in probably the hardest day I've ever had in public ministry in my entire life that day. I get up and I'll preach, and you can listen to it, X2M90, on Abraham, sitting at the tent door for the seed of Abraham, the promise of Abraham that's going to come forward to, uh, which will be Isaac, that will lead to the 12 tribes. And uh, precept message, not really knowing what I'm doing. That name of that event, I think, was uh, it was Shabbat. It was everything will be born out of rest. Everything God does is, is from this position of rest. Over the next 20 weeks, from week 91 to 110, X2M 91 to 110, brilliantly, the Holy Spirit leads us in the Greek with 10, I believe it is 10, P words in the Greek and 10 English words called the double helix. And the Lord will unfold the seed of Abraham, the seed of, the seed of Christ over tw the next 20 weeks. And what happens, for those of you that are mature, but what happens when you get a seed and a womb together? You're going to have a baby. And so the Lord is building this out in our ministry himself. I mean, and every event, every event, and because it, it's, it would be hard for anyone to capture this over a, over if you came into one of these events and you're trying to figure out what is going on in there, you're not going to probably. <laughs> I think Cindy Dillon would say something like that. You're, you're not, but I'm, I'm just going to give you a little bit broader picture. As Stephen and I in our debrief did this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to just share a little bit of this story the story of what we are and what we're becoming and where we're headed. So the Lord takes a womb he builds and a seed and impregnates the womb. And starting November the 5th of 2022, last year, we moved to seven-day Adventist Arden. And over the next course of nine months, which led us here, August 5th, 2023, which was nine months to the day, the Lord births a baby. And what do we call that baby? Anybody? The man-child or star-child? The star-child is born. Yeah, is it? Yeah. And so this star-child is born. And uh, Melinda and Steve Scroggs host a, uh, a baby shower, a baby, uh, what do you call it? A baby shower. Yeah, and over at their house, and we celebrate Star Child being born. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> and so that was X2M111 to X2M144. Just so you're up to date, I think today is X2M159. 
And so after 144, I thought, and Stephen and I talked about this, I thought this is the most amazing thing God has birthed, a Revelation 12 star child or man child in the earth. He, he, the, the one that's being spoken of there that's caught up to God and to his throne has been born. A governmental rule has been born into the earth. I thought, what, in the, what could be more amazing than that? I mean, that is because, as you know, that when a man child or star child is caught up to God and to his throne, and, or maybe you don't know, but when he is, Michael the archangel goes to war and casts Lucifer out of the second heavens down into the first heavens. I mean, if you know like biblical eschatology and revelation and the way this thing's going, if you get Lucifer, he's went from the third heaven to the second heaven and he gets knocked into the first heaven, we're close to getting the Lord back. I mean, this is the scope of, of this ministry. This is it. This, the ideas, the major ideas, not just pioneering for a glorified body or the restoration of all things, in the order of Melchizedek, the idea is, is that our king splits the eastern sky. That's the major idea, is how do you get him back? And if Acts 3.21 says that he's retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things, and the Lord is looking, not just for a quantity in the earth, but a quality of himself in his people. The Father is looking for this in the earth looking for that quality of who he is that looks like him. And he has some kind of like the way it has to be. He's saying, he's scanning the whole earth, looking for a people, saying, do they look like me? Do they look like my son? Jesus didn't come to like purchase by the blood some kind of broken down thing. The blood has purchased a full restorative people. I mean, the blood wasn't just uh, given to just be like a partial transformational thing for humanity. The blood was given to fully sanctify and make holy a people, a bride adorned, a bride liberated completely without spot or wrinkle. So much so that, and I've become a believer of this, that the human soul had within its capacity in the restoration the ability to be trans, if Jesus can be transfigured, then so can we. And Enoch can be transfigured, so can we, and that it would lead to glorification. A people would be so charged by the transformation of their own soul, evolve in such a way that they would, that what Adam had lost, mankind would regain. The paradise would be regained, as Milton said. And the paradise that's been lost to humanity be restored because of what Jesus did at the cross. Our elder brother paid the price for a full restorative plan. He didn't pay the price for a partial broken down thing that's not going to lead. And so in the end of the age, the Lord, I think he's scanning through time and history looking for, well, he needs, he needs a star child that goes back into the promise given to Abraham that he would have a star-like seed that would go th through uh, what I went through a few weeks ago, all the way through, would go through to Jesus. Jesus would do what he does and it goes throughout church history and it would pop out on the end of church history looking for, can I get this witness in the earth that looks like me? 
And I, I can't say what every other ministry is doing, and I don't think it's our business really to, to be examining everybody else and what they're doing, but we can, be, we can be responsible for the Lord where we're at because you know how that is. Like, well, let's look over there and look over there, and it's like, what about right here? What about third temple right here? What about the Lord doing something right here and that we take serious the word of the Lord concerning our very own existence and life? And so the Lord brings out one of the most phenomenal things, Acts 2 and 144. I didn't program that. It was 34 weeks. It's something else that just, like, and you can listen and see Acts 2 and 111 with a haze machine. And the word, I said, what is that? And he said, it's due. And he uses these texts in the scripture and they're beautiful. And then we're finishing 43 and 44 and it's about youthfulness and restoring back our youth to us. And if you know, Psalms 110.3 says, I will give you the dew of your youth. And even in the midst of 111 to all 144, the Lord is saying, I'm going to restore a people's dew of youth to them. I'm going to so transfigure you, transfigure you that you'll be restored to a capacity that you've never had before. And this has been the Father's plan. And I believe that if you read the text and you study the text and you're involved in the text, you know, I think more and more as I go on with the text that it's so anthropomorphic. Um, what I mean is it's so human. And I, I can prove that. And the word became what? And what? Dwelt. I mean, I'm looking at scripture in light of how the word relates to us here. And I'm like, it's so anthropomorphic. It's such a divine anthropomorphic, anthros, man, morphic uh, change. It's, it's so anthropomorphic and so divine in this interchange of the whole entire text. I mean, because I've been up, I've been up here leading and the Lord's like, the, uh, the fountain is shut off to the garden. And I'm like, what are you saying? He's like, people have urinary tract issues. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I'm like, but that's a fountain text in Kings. <laughs> I was like, what is that? You know, it's, no, you got urinary tract issues going on this Sunday. I was like, that is the craziest thing. I mean, is the whole text like human? I don't know if you've ever thought of it like that, but it is, the word is so reality as it relates to humanity that is not so far different, different than us. Uh, the word is, it says in your mouth, uh, even nigh you. And so this text has this massive, this is a massive tome, I don't know if that's the right word, of anthropomorphism and divinity being like unionized. It's a beautiful thing and you can see the nature of God working through it as God has created us, right? In his own what? Image and likeness. It's like it's a text for man. It was like God became man and gave us a text that we could relate to. And we do, we relate to the text and we're not off the text and we're not into some, like Peter's gonna say last week with us, we're not creating fables and fairy tales. This text is real to us. And it's life-giving because I think, you know, if you really integrate with the text, you'll see how the text of scripture is so like involved in your daily life and so needful and that we're so hungry for God's word. And so when Star Child was built, then the Lord's like starts on these, he says, you'll change from P's to Q's. 
And then you're going to go through a series, and we called it the Starcaster Blaster. And I didn't understand that. Was, what is he talking about? Because then we're seven weeks in Starcaster Blaster, and then seven weeks in Star Cluster Imperium. And I asked the Lord, I said, what, what is that? And he said, what was the mandate to Adam? I said, um, that he was to guard and cultivate. He was to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And he said, but what did I tell him? He said, guard and cultivate in, our, in the garden. I said, he said, what's the Starcaster Blaster for? And I said, I guess that's the guardianship. Um, man was going to be restored back to being able to guard the Starcaster Blaster. Um, it says a man child or star child was given um, a rod of iron to rule. And then cultivation, cultivate, star cluster. And, it, and um, many of you may be confused by all of that, the Qumran scroll documents. That is a story that is phenomenal. And one day it'll be told, but right now it's not the day. But all of the four Q uh, work that comes out of Qumran, it was an eternal plant, this eternal planting of the Lord, the star cluster. And he's like, you'll have a star caster and a star cluster. Um, because I'm interested in reinstating star child with putting back into their hands the things that were lost. I'm going to restore back the guardianship and restore back the star cluster, the ability to cultivate in the garden. Notice the language cluster with a star and notice the language caster with a star because the Lord is interested in connecting heaven to earth. He's, he's not, you know, he'll tell his guys that, you know, when you pray, say his prayer, let it be in what? On earth as it is in, right, because he wants and always has for mankind that, you know, co the cosmology, which is hard for people to understand sometimes, connected to your soteriology, your regular everyday life and living. The Lord never meant for heaven to be disconnected from reality. And then you got these people that are really big into reality, but they have no heaven. And then you have some people that are so related to heaven, but they have no reality. Well, the Lord doesn't want it like that. He wants heaven to relate to reality. He wants a full-on re relating reality with heaven. And it brings me up to today, and those texts are so complex, the events that we've had are so profound. Each one of them, I have like a second narrative list that describes how they're unfolding and what the Lord has done in every event and how he's telling a story. Why? Because our father is a storyteller and every episode in our life is not inconsequential. God is not just um, episodic. He's also diachronic. It, I don't know what that means, Carol. Well, I'll tell you, it's He's, he's not just into just the individual story or events. He's into the bigger meta-narrative. The Lord has, he's superintending a major meta-narrative on the earth right now, watching us and examining things. And the reason why I'm tasked by the Lord to just say a few things like this is because we're in a narrowing time and season in the end times. If things are narrowing down, if if you just take the 70 weeks of exile and then you come to the word arranging 12 and you, I haven't done a statistic prob probability on that, but 12 that will relate to each tribe particularly, and that's all that's there, the odds of that and, I, and not telling me, even though I'd waited a decade for that, 
the odds of that are at such a level, no one could do that. No human being could do that. And especially all of us would agree separately that there was matched and they matched our prophetic histories. Now, if that's narrowing down, this narrowness has come, this narrowness has come to God's work in the end time. It's narrowing down that the Lord is trying to say something. He's going to finish something. And then if you just take what happens from that, I build a womb, I'm going to put in Abrahamic seed. I'm going to build a child, a star child. Then I'm going to outfit that star child and re-equip that star child with a blast, star caster, blaster, star cluster. You're going to guard, you're going to cultivate. And then I'm going to, and, it, and this, um, and I'm going to attempt to do this today, just bringing us up to today. And because I'm just getting started, but just a little context. That's a very high complex context. And I didn't even said anything. But we have, you can listen to all 158 events and you might be able to put it together. <laughs> They're online, I think, except two of them. And then the Lord in the middle of the night says, you'll begin Starfield. And um, I've been thinking about it. And then he comes in the middle of the night and, and he says, you'll call it Starfield Astrocyte. And Tom Gross is going to know what that is because he's like a neuroscientist slash galactic chiropractic. <laughs> That's what we think of you as the galactic chiropractor. <laughs> What's that? The what now? The astrocyte receives what? Okay, the astrocyte conducts is the blood-brain barrier that conducts the blood and all the goodies of the blood into the body or into the brain, into the brain. I like that, the astrocyte. All the goodies. Now, I didn't know what an astrocyte was, and I started to think, I, I said, okay, you want to call it star field? And he says, look, star, celestial, field, terrestrial. Astrocyte, astro, will make that celestial. And site, you could supply so on words, site could be like S I T E or C Y T E is the way it's spelled um, uh, anatomically, is this um, terrestrial kind of site. And then I said, well, Lord, next night or something, he wakes me up, said, um, we're going to call X2M 159 Quake Conversal. Quake quadversal. And I, I don't know if you're on team reach and you can go in and you can listen to Don Hewley give his definition of quake quadversal. It's pretty good. But basically the idea of quake quadversal is like a point and from a point, and that's why I'm standing here. I mean, I was like, they literally made this platform before X2M 159 quake quadversal, which the Lord knows because it means like a point uh, that goes in every direction. And I thought, how appropriate is this? And the Lord's like, yeah, get down on the platform. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And he's like, you're going to do it because you have, you, you have to represent what I'm saying in the earth. The Starfield astrocyte, <laughs> the blood brain barrier, get all the goodies. Astrocytes apparently, uh, and these doctors can do better than I can, but it's like five points coming out of it or something. 
and uh, there's neurons and they're called glial cells. How do you say it, guys? What? Glial. So glial, you gotta be able to speak French or something. What's that? Glial. Oh, glial. Oh, that makes, glial. Yeah, glial. All right, well, here we go. So, um, part of this journey with the Lord about this, and I'm, I'll, um, I was led to, to this, Matthew Tennyson uh, called Paul and the Gentile problem. And um, thank you, Elizabeth uh, Johnson, because she purchased this from me and had it sent to me when I said that I really would like to read this book. And what I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to do is take us through some facets of this, and I won't be able to cover all of this today, but let's look at Galatians 3, 29. Let's just, let's back up a little bit. I love context, as you can tell, but because I think it's so important because any text without a context is a pretext. And a lot of times we don't relate rightly when we don't have a good understanding of what's going on. And, and it really helps when we have some understanding. That's the purpose of today was to give some understanding to a major thing that is going on with, by the Holy Spirit who is leading us. And then to bring us into X2M 159 quake reversal today. And verse uh, Galatians 3, uh, 23 now before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being held prisoners until the coming faith would be revealed. Now before faith had came, we were being held in a custody under the law, being held as a prisoner until the coming faith would be revealed. Thus the law had become our guardian. Like in a way, if you've ever been in a custody situation or had to be, you know, put in a situation where you're, you're like guarded. And, and maybe this will help, you know, if you think about here I am up here and we have a perimeter around this and let's just imagine that lines were being drawn up everywhere and I couldn't get out, you know. That would be kind of uh, the way the law had been designed. It, it was designed in such a way that the law was built by the Lord, the law of, of Moses, or allowed to put people within a certain boundary. Like, you're not going to get outside these bounds. And, it, and Paul is saying that, that that was like, or is, I mean, he says, in this custody, you're confined and you're basically in a prison. You've been imprisoned within the bounds of the law. You're not quake-reversal. I mean, you're quake-reversal up to this point, uh, in a sense, but it, there's no really omnidirection thing going on. It's, it's limiting. But, it, but he, he's saying something here that's really important because he says, um, until faith was revealed, until faith came forward. 
so the law has been our, was our guardian until Christ. So that we could be declared righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer what? We're not under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, you, you might be asking, like I did when I was introduced to this material, like, you know, some years ago, out, out of this Galatians passage, I remember trying to read Kara a commentary, and she fell asleep. She always falls asleep when I read those dang commentaries. I mean, she's like, I think, Jennifer Scroggs. They're so relational, but don't be reading me some kind of commentary, right? You're going to put me down. I mean, it is a good way to go to sleep, right, Jennifer? And I was, I was reading Kara because I, when the word started with us, I said, we got to understand this faith thing. And so I think I went and got this big commentary and I was like reading on faith because I was like, we, okay, if we're going to, if the law is different than faith, then we better get like the rules of faith because I don't know how to live. I've lived most of my life under a guardian, a tutor, uh, someone telling me what to do. I, I was both enlisted and an officer uh, in, the, in the Air Force. Um, so... I had both been under authority, uh, in, well, in both cases, but then I got to taste a little bit of my own authority, which I really liked, honestly. <laughs> I love being saluted. Um, yeah, salute. Give me a salute. Yeah, I'm a pretty amazing guy now, you know. Um, but, you know, we go through this kind of uh, thing, and, he, and, and so it's like we want to know the rules. And I said, honey, have we got to know the rules, you know. Um, all right, let's get to Matthew, and let's look at this. Um, uh, you know, where it says, it says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will uh, be added unto you. I was like, and um, wait a minute. And uh, Romans is saying that Abraham believed God or had, he had this faith in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Um, okay. So, I mean, if, if you seek the kingdom of God and you get, okay, you're going to be made righteous if you trust the Lord. And I was like, what? Um, okay, and then I was like, I'd heard my mother say, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I was like, well, we better get in the word of God. And I remember another text, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, you can't please the Lord. Uh, you must believe that he is. And what? He's a rewarder of those who what? Diligent. Oh, y'all know your Bible, you know. And then anything that's not faith is Thank you. Ooh, anything that's not faith is sin. Whoa, I mean anything. It doesn't say one thing or two things or three things. It says anything that's not faith. I mean, do you see how important faith is? And then, you know, you get into Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which I quoted last week. For by grace are you saved through? It's not of it's not of yourself, it's not of works, it says, lest you would what? You would, you would make a boast about it. And so it's like, all right, so that's faith. And then I, I get to Roland Graham, Dr. Roland Graham's class at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and he has us do a paper on this. Uh, I believe it was in Ephesians 2, and he's like, is it the faith that God gives or is it the faith you have? And we're digging down into the Greek lettering on that, and I'll tell you what I found out. It's his faith. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, and that changed, that changed my legal mindset out of uh, being inside, inside of the 
circle. It wasn't even my faith. And you hear it being, you can feel the presence of the Lord this morning when we describe his what? Faithfulness. I mean, can't you experience it when it, it comes off of your faithfulness? You, you feel that in a, you can feel that in a room. When we ascribe to the faithfulness of the Lord and not our own faith, even that our own faith was somehow unbiblical because the faith that you have is the faith you receive by grace. So it takes away our, I don't know. And I do know, you know, it takes away those two guys, <laughs> the righteous, self-righteous guy and the little guy that's trembling over there and doesn't know what he's going to do. It takes away both of those guys. You know, it takes away the uh, double-minded man, James 1, that's unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So, I mean, faith becomes really important, doesn't it? Faith, faith meaning now that it's the faith that I receive by grace that I'm like thrown into Zerubbabel and he's bringing forth the capstone and he's saying with well, shouts of what? And I'm like shouts of grace, grace. And it, it throws us into what? Full dependency. I'll tell you what faith does to you. It'll bring you to the very end of yourself. And that's his purpose because it was the purpose to, that we would draw our life off of him and that he would become our life. That our life would not be according to our own selves and our own dictates and our own devices, but it would come by the grace of God. And at anything, and then, you know, we look at someone else and we're tested in this and, well, they don't live up to this and do that. And we realize the self-judgment and that stuff that's coming out of us. You know why? Because that's the way we perceive God relating to us or the way we've treated our children or things and treated uh, other people. And we realize that we're, we're not living like maybe that everything is according to the grace of God. And that he delights in us and he loves us. And, um, and yes, he's bringing discipline to us. Why? What's the discipline for? To throw you back into the sovereign goodness of him as father. I mean, he told me, do you want affliction, a guardian, or do you want affection, quite reversal? <laughs> I mean, do you want to go in every direction and be just, you know, a light? Or do you want to like be shut down? You know, because... Paul has got to differentiate this. He's, a, he's going to differentiate this. He's going to say, there's many of you Jews that are living according to the law without faith. They're going to get angry with him. And he's going to say to the Gentiles, y'all don't have to live according to Jewish custom and dietary laws, but God saves you by his grace and he's going to bring you into this faith. And he says, some of you Jews are according to the faith and some of you Gentiles, and there's just this big conflict going on. I'll tell you, um, last week, it really just, it hit me. I was sharing this with Stephen. I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. The word said, go to 2 Peter 1 and give the revelation of, that Peter's giving right there at the end. Maybe, uh, hopefully, if you didn't listen to last week's event, please go listen to it. He's taking uh, Peter, who was an apostle to the who? To the Jews, right. And then he goes through this, we expound 1 Corinthians 15, who was written by who? Who was an apostle to who? And so the Lord takes a man, these two men, he brings both of them together last week in our event, and he's 
he's taking the, the Jew and the Gentile and blending them together, even in the preaching. And he's blending together what I'll end up going through with you, the celestial and the terrestrial. That you have a heavenly body and a earthly body and the Lord is into this unionization of those bodies. And I wanna suggest this and I'm, if I have to correct myself later on, I will. But I believe in the building of star child, what he's been doing with us is building out a celestial body to co-locate that celestial body within us that we would be, uh, become union with the body that he intended for us to be and, and prepare us again to transfigure us for glorification. But the reason why I'm tasked, I believe, with this is because the Lord wants out of his house anything that is smacking of uh, our own righteousness, that we're getting alone on that. Because I'll tell you, all diminishment is related to that. If you experience diminishment, if you're experiencing that, and I, I mean that, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to make it. Or I know what we're going to do, and I know how we're going to make it. <laughs> if you're experiencing that, he wants it out. He wants it out, and he wants us to live from the age to come. He wants us to live out of the celestial life like we believe what he's saying and have a transfer of trust in ourselves in this terrestrial body. It's, I want you to trust me. I will do you far better than what, you've, um, what you could come up with. I want full trust because you're gonna shine like the stars. You're gonna be quake reversal like on a level like you cannot imagine. I have something really special planned for you, but I want all this stuff out. And so Paul's, Paul's like, if any other man preaches you a different message, let him be accursed. I, you can't see why Paul's like going for, you know, castration. He's like, let them be cut off. He's saying that kind of seed, you don't want that kind of seed in your life. You want a seed that's pure. You want an Abrahamic seed. You want a double helix seed. You want a seed that is not based off of this human thing. You need the seed of Christ. That's what he's saying, until Christ, until Christ, so that we could be, a declaration of righteousness could be placed over you. Uh, years ago, I thought, well, I should preach a message from pimp to papa. I was gonna call Abram that, you know. But the guy was basically doing that. He said, my sister. And Abimelech's like, okay, well, I'm taking her, you know. He's like, he was afraid. I mean, the Lord's going to declare Abram righteous in the middle of all this stuff he's doing. He's not even like doing everything right. I don't know if y'all noticed. He's not even circumcised. The Lord, he's declaring him righteous before circumcision. And you know, Paul's going to say that. And it's really just almost was like revolutionary for him to say that in a Gentile audience in him today. Circumcision isn't anything and uncircumcision isn't anything, but keeping God's commands is. Well, it doesn't God command you to be circumcised? I mean, it's really kind of confusing for people. And Paul's gonna distinguish this faith. He says, us the law had become a, our guardian until Christ so that we could be declared righteous. Declared righteous by what? Faith. Now faith has come, you're no longer under a guardian. I tell you what, as a Christian myself, 
this has been like, whew, I mean, like what we're going over right here, and I'm, I'm sure maybe you've been through this too, but it is, it's like all the trials and difficulties, I, I think they're all related to this. I'm delighted and I'm declared righteous. Yeah, but your situation is not telling you that. I'm believing it anyways. You know, your situation is not telling you that. Worship the Lord, you know. <sighs> this person on the right saying this to you and this person on the left, and we went through that last week, you know. Your heart's telling you stuff and stand in the righteousness of God and you'll be transformed. Move out of it and you're back into your old self. Trying to live out of an old self mindset, back limited. One of the great things about being under a guard, we've been brought into the church. Yes, so we're under uh, that, uh, under the guardianship, but God's not, his intention wasn't to leave us in a condition all the time in this sense of uh, massive limitation. The Lord was bringing us into, intentionalized us to be brought into this uh, quake reversal. That you're from a point radiating from every side, unlimited in the capacity that God has for you. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, you're sons of God through faith. They don't mean you're like sons of God like, I'm a son of God, but you're not because I'm like in leadership. When you come into the faith and you live in faith, you're son of God. The, the grace that you've received from the Lord, that's your, you have, it's like being written a check or written everything that you need. It's already there. It's all taken care of. It's done, you know, and we hear that message, but I'm gonna tell you, and you're experiencing in the altar today, so many of us have struggled to believe it. Let's just be honest. I'm delighted in, I've been declared righteous. I've been declared someone who's not meant to be under a guardian and under these laws that are trying to bring limitation in my life. I I was meant by the Lord to expand, expound uh, beauty, break out on every side. This is who I am. I'm royal, I'm a son of the Lord. I'm a daughter of the King. That's who I am. I'm not going back into that way anymore. I'm, I'm going to live like I believe. You know, I'm not gonna talk a belief or say an experiential thing. Like, well, that person experienced that and try to live out of someone else's experience. I'm not gonna intellectualize the gospel either. I'm gonna believe it for myself right now. And when the word of the Lord comes to me, I'm gonna, hold on to that word like it's my, my dearest treasure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand in it and I'm not moving. Nobody's gonna change my mind. I've been declared righteous. And you know, there's plenty of people that want to declare you something else. <laughs> I mean, I've been called a lot of names. I was like, you just call me Carol and for dinner, for supper, just call me for supper. And lately, I've been having less supper. <laughs> Anyways, I need to lose some weight. But um, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I don't know if this is the Greek here, but I think it's like in duo or in duosophy. It's like, let's just put it this way. That's <laughs> funny. Oh man, things come up, I bite, I shouldn't sail. 
The emperor and the empress have new clothes. <laughs> Completely vulnerable, but being given royalty. Giving a new, a new change in life, a, a new status. Clothe yourself with what? Christ. Clothe yourself with this mindset. Let this mind be in you. The, the mind of Christ be in you. I was saying last week that I, I found out that there's an agreement of linking that celestial body that you have with your terrestrial, that clothing of him. It's, uh, Mr. Dillon has, has said this about his persona or um, his real self, that there's a real self. And if, if he can just link with his real self, it, it is, it's, it's this celestial body that um, Paul was talking about uh, being really linked with that by the pneuma. It's, it's the word that's used by Paul, um, by the material, the material life that is inside of you, this pneuma that's inside of you, linking together and transforming, transfiguring your life, uh, being clothed or enduosethe or uh, enduoed uh, with Christ. And so you're in Christ, uh, but also being clothed in Christ, uh, putting, on, putting him on. A decision that I think is a part of our will that I'm choosing not to. Um, Miss Ann Nolan, she'll, she calls it standing on her, uh, your footstool. She's making a decision to stand right in the middle as a royal daughter and not be brought um, to the left or to the right in uh, judgment, to, be, to stand in him. I'm not moving off of my position. I'm not gonna be ruled by the, by the flesh. I, I want my life to, be, to break out on every side. And so there's, there's a part that we play in, and I think it's merely the, um, merely the agreement of, with him. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Paul here is dealing socioeconomically and slave and free. I mean, one of the big things that's dividing culture, I mean, today is, you know this, is socioeconomics. I mean, what status? Are you low, low class, high class, middle class? Now he's saying, listen, don't get into class distinction. I mean, it's, it's the proclivity of man to see themselves in some kind of social class. I mean, y'all know this, if you watch any TV, please don't for the most part, it hardly any of us any good to watch. But you can see that this has infected our culture, the socioeconomic status. It's, it's tried to distinguish us from what we drive, what we have, how much we have or whatever, and what we don't have and, and what we should have or whatever. And the Lord's called us into royalty. I mean, it's not even a class. Royalty is beyond the classes. It sits outside the classes. A low class, middle class, and high class is a, has its own thought, but royal sons and daughters are not even in a class. I mean, you could claim that they're in a royal class, but it's separate from the class distinction. And that thing, man, has got all messed inside of society. The blue-red thing. You know what I'm talking about. The political movement. And that whole thing, we're, it's not even, he's saying, listen, you're not even supposed to be a part of that. In this realm of quake reversal, there is no, there's no social class. 
It's royal, it's priesthood, it's royalty. That's who you are. He gets on and he, you know, and he says it's neither Jew nor Greek. I mean, he's, he's taking you know, our ethnic backgrounds and you know, we call it racism. But I mean, that, that itself has created a whirlwind of problems among people. You know, uh, genocide has come from just taking out whole groups of, of people just based off ethnicity. I mean, Paul is saying in, in this, the ethnic, the ethnic thing is not even an issue. You won't find that you're making distinguishments, uh, distinguishing yourselves between uh, different races and cultures. You won't find that. Now, you'll value the different cultures, but you won't distinguish them or and, and the world's tried to do this with our diversity training and all the stuff they do. But the Lord's like, I, I don't even, through pause, I don't even want you involved in that. I'm, I'm not saying the Lord doesn't say value the difference in our skin, but he doesn't want us to like look at other human beings related to that and make all our mischaracterizations and everything that we do. I'm, I'm saying, he's saying it's something so far beyond that, it's outside of it. I'm outside of the, of that in this. Um, this is where a quake reversal is going. It's, it's so far out of, out, out of that. I, I think mostly because of light. The light that breaks forth out of us that doesn't, it doesn't notice almost skin tone in the sense of that it's something we would put, place judgment on other people or something like that. And then as you know, and it's, it, it's a whirlwind right now in our nation and the nations of the world is the male-female issues. I mean, they are, it's a mess. And you know that, and he's saying it's not even that. Yeah, I think for the whole, I believe that the transgender movement, if they could hear transfiguration, they would maybe understand. Because the soul was made and given both male and female qualities, every soul. And they've tried to put it in the body, in the body that which was put in the soul. Those, the soul was meant to be uh, transfigured. Uh, mankind was not meant to be transgender, but transfigured. And they're trying to deal with it in the body. And it's, it's not because God did separate our genders. But he's saying that where this is, this light that comes forward is, is, is not even male or female. I mean, Paul's speaking in a mystery to us. This dichotomy, this brokenness that occurred in our culture on racism, Jew-Gentile type stuff, these things that are going on related to socioeconomics and related to uh, gender differences. Uh, Paul's addressing it right here in Galatians 3 and saying, I'm looking for something beyond this. I'm really wanting to take what you guys have done so so much with this, I'm wanting to create something new. And I think the world is also, I was looking at it this week and I'm gonna close, but the transhumanism, all, all of that and what's going on with transhumanism and, um, and what they're calling post-humanism. The world's onto something saying human beings are, are coming up to the verge of something where they're, there's gonna have to be a shift, there's a change. And you know, they're trying to link human beings with AI and, you know, maybe like $6 million man and now the $6 billion man. You know, he's trying to make 
uh, bring humans into something by transhumanism. And it's like the Lord's like, I I understand all this. I'm I'm gonna give you my pneuma. When you were saved and then when you're filled with the spirit of God, you received the pneuma of God to begin to go to work inside of you and to take and begin to link the celestial terrestrial together and bring in what Ephesians calls a one new man. Can we just do the uh, guitar there? That the Lord would in this end time bring in one, one new man. And he would take out the middle wall of hostility, the hostility of Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. He would bring in uh, this covenantal union by the blood. And he, he would really, I believe, and I sat with the Lord this morning, really bring the sons and daughters into uh, great inheritance. Well, let's stand together. Question. Is the grace of God in vain? Am I receiving the grace of God? Am I living my life as as a receiver, receptor of the grace of God? And and in that grace, am I just connecting with the one who is speaking to my heart and saying, you know, yes, I, my confidence is in you and I'm looking for this transformation, this transfiguration in my life. And is, is it becoming reality to me? Am I seeing a change? Let's be real with ourselves. I've, I've had to do this. I've, um, for years, I'm like, if, if it doesn't relate to reality in some way in my own, my own life, if there's not been a, if there's not been a, a transfer here, that I've got to be real. Am I really trusting the Lord um, in what he said to me that it's my grace that my grace is sufficient for you. In the midst of your weakness, I'm, I'm sufficient for you. And you just keep coming back to me and, and be with me and um, or am I turning back to my own devices and doing my own thing and I want to say you know uh, it can be such a struggle but it doesn't have to be you know like I, I share with you the words like you want affliction or affection I mean do you want to be put back into um, limitation or would you like to be quake reversal would you like for your world to break out on every side? Would you like some lack of limitation and some more limitless? Because that's what I really like into. I really want to give you so much. And um, but I need you. I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me with me, with you. All the way down to, well, I'm going to be thrown in jail next week. All the way up to, you know, whatever. You know, shine like the stars. Which one do you want? But just receive the grace of God. I tell you, like, every time we worship the Lord, it always feels like, well, I tried this, I tried that. And, you know, you tried this, you tried that. And it's like, nothing works. It's like, okay, finally, I'm going to worship the Lord. Why don't we just worship Him all the time? Why don't we just live out of perpetual worship? 
And this is, this is where this is going, is a perpetual worship center of, um, in our soul of, um, of just, oh man, I, just like a union with him and him taking over because listen, you go this route, the material pneuma of the spirit begins to transfer your soul. And in your life, like Paul was saying, he's like, I pray without ceasing. I mean, who talks like that? What, you think you're like such a holy guy, Paul? He's like, no, I do. I pray without ceasing. My life has become a prayer. I'm, I'm like living celestially in this terrestrial body. I'm, I'm just living this life all the time, all the judgment, all that stuff. I don't even judge my own self, he said. I don't even care if anybody else judges me. And look what he got to. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Now, my conscience is clean. He, he'll say that about his ministry. I have a clear conscience before you all concerning my ministry. I mean, Paul, he, got, he had found some place in the grace of God that is just beautiful. And listen, if, if Paul can go there and because God's no respecter of a person, so can you. And so can I. And, and, we, and we shouldn't live at such a low standard when we've been giving um, the royal priesthood, <laughs> when we've been given so much by him. Why, why live like that? And so I'm gonna tell you, you know, in the grace of God, he'll challenge us. He'll challenge us into believing him. For again, it's by faith. He's gonna challenge you into things that there are impossibilities. He's gonna call you into things that you can't do. Um, he's, he's going to move on you in a way that it's like you're gonna be pulled through something and you can't get through it. The grace of God and just permitting him. Maybe today just saying, Lord, like I'm making an agreement to be clothed in this royalty and put off these garments. Um, and some of the things that I have allowed myself to be in. Now, I'm gonna tell you, most of us don't even know what that is, but I wanna share with you that the spirit of God would move on you right now. It's, we don't know exactly the way, exactly the way he thinks about us and things. And so, that all imaging and things like that that we thought that we are represented by and our lives are represented by, I want you just to imagine that maybe that your own thoughts about things aren't exactly right. That there's one, there's one, that we said in, in, in Psalms 31, there's one who has determined um, your path and determined your journey and that he, know, he knows. And that if you, if you don't have the spirit of God that you would just ask him to come in so ready to so I, I want the pneuma I you know I, I think sometimes with the world I'm like I don't know what you guys are doing you get an indwelling God who basically tells and knows everything and is like completely patterns and sets everything for your life I mean and not just that he will literally transform your nature to become amazing I mean you want the spirit you know you want the spirit running your life. I mean, he knows what he's doing better than anybody. I slammed the Bible down when I was 13, said, I'll take no Holy Spirit. I changed my mind. Don't, don't be hard-headed like I was when I was 13 and say, I, I don't want to be a crazy man. You're like, ask the Lord for his, his pneuma, the material life to come inside of you and transform your nature if you don't already have it. And if you do, listen to him. I do what he says. Okay, let's um, uh, come for communion and then we'll take communion together as a family.
this love in an earthen vessel I have contained my life in emptiness this hollow heart only you knew but you chose to love these earthen vessels Fill us with you Break us into You came to earth as earth and bread And broke it before the dead And you died Three days had passed and long at last you've come
So today, in popular culture, we have something called like gene therapy. And maybe some of you've heard about that, but let's just kind of think of it like this, because the Holy Spirit's saying this, my purpose with you is to enhance you. I'm, I'm into enhancement. I mean, the Lord's really into it, you know. He really is. And I, I think that we've thought that the Lord is no, just, he's just this, you know, rigid disciplinarian. But the Lord really wants to enhance his people and beautify his people. And yeah, maybe sometimes he uses electrical shock therapy like he's used on me. But he really is into beautification of, of us. He, that, I, I think that... Um, I think that we've had sort of a misnomer about this thinking that, and especially in some of the culture and some of some of our parentage, if you were raised like this, if you dealt with absent, absence in parenting or if you dealt with the beatdown, it's really hard a lot of times to overcome um, from abandonment or from, you know, the beatdown that the father, the father though is, is not like that and that he's really, his purpose in any discipline he brings is, um, is for enhancement. It's, it's always that way. It's never anything else. And so when we're talking about, think about this as like, that the Lord, because he made us, has the toolkit that he needs to enhance uh, you. Um, don't have to live in a in a mindset because there you know there are mindsets that um, that are just like it's all deconstruction. I'm, I'm tearing you down. I'm taking everything down. You can you can change your mind that really and believe that he is and he's a what rewarder meaning that he wants to enhance you. He's he wants to um, beautify you. He wants to take the situation. Uh, that has been extremely difficult and turn it into something um, uh, beautiful. I mean, it, it says this about the Valley of Achor. I was reading in Isaiah 65. He'll turn that valley that's been a place of weeping into a, a valley of blessing. And so the very place that maybe looked like it's been the hardest situation you've ever faced can be the very place where the blessing of the Lord comes down. Now, I want you, because the Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you, to believe that he is after enhancing your life. Now you could take gene therapy or you could take this idea that, um, I know, I, the Lord can upgrade your, I mean, even in your, I'm saying in your terrestrial, he can upgrade your um, humanity. I had him years ago, I was telling Gus about this, we can um, literally, felt this shock go through my whole brain and my eyes vibrated in the sockets and the Holy Spirit said go check your IQ and I went and done it I did another IQ test it went up 10 points and so I know that the Lord I mean and the Lord's healed many of us has he not but the Lord can he's he's the a brilliant neuroscientist he knows he made your brain, but he wants to do things for us that there's no way we could ever do for ourselves. He went around doing good, everything he did. He just wanted to make life better for everybody, was it? He wanted connectability. He didn't like the separation that was going on of connecting with his father. That's why he got the whip out 
Uh, that's why the leper comes into his midst, which is not allowed to in the law, and he heals him, sends him to the priest, and says, tell him what's happened to you so you can be reinstated into community. Jesus is after enhancement. He's after making your situation better, and he wants us to believe it. He, he's not trying to make your situation worse. Your enemy is. But he's not. He's bringing you into something far beyond what your your mind can think is glorious. All the way to like a new body that we're talking about. But even right now, do you receive the enhancement of the Lord to enhance you in areas that you just can't do for yourself? Um, I, I'll take it. I, I, when I found out about this from the Lord, I said, I'll take everything you got. You know. I And also, let me say this. He wants to, in a safe way, shorten the process on your humanity so that you don't have to go through long-term problems and shorten it up for you. When you trust him, you're shrinking space-time. You're basically, your long-term problems are being made shortened and made safe so that you can go through transformation in a shorter time than you could have you spend your whole life. Some people spend 20 years trying to get something uh, to happen and it could happen in, in, um, in one year. Just put your full trust and confidence in him when he's moving on you by his grace and say yes to him and let him bring enhancement in your life. F- fix things for us that we, are, we can't fix for ourselves and put things back together that we can never do. Let him come in and charge your, ge- your genomic system with his light. In the places where it says it's junk DNA, let the light of God's glory come in and feel those places. Yes, Wendy. Trust the Lord. Yeah. We trust you. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken, let's say it, to enhance my people for you, for you. Take and eat. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of a old covenant, new, why? Because I declare, I declare of the Lord saying this to his guys and to us, I declare I'm making all things new. I'm seated on my throne, and uh, behold, I make all things new. He took, he took the cup, blessed it. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for your enhancement. Let's take together. Do you believe him? Then live from the age to come. Live as a celestial people in your terrestrial body. May the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord place his name in your forehead and lead you, guide you. Amen. Bless you.
I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow And he said he'd come for me He'd know when I'm ready And my heart is aching for The coming of the Lord I must get ready now and I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh, I must get ready the night.